going to be hearing presentations for STP 2, 3, 4, and 5 for community feedback. Uh, SCP-2 authored by Carrot Anderson and Kane. If one of you wants to go ahead and present that one. Yeah, sure, I'll jump in here. So, yeah, basically the premise of STP-2 is that we need some kind of dedicated um, allocation of resources to making sure the data analytics is kind of kept in in line across the internet for synthetics um because previously there's been kind of disparate ways of managing this and um yeah it's been great now that we have troy um on the cc so i've been working with him to figure out the best way to tackle this and the other thing that's happening uh, at the moment is um infinex is coming up and they're exploring different ways to build um you know data layers around synthetics so there could be some kind of partnerships um, emerging there with Infinex and the Treasury Council, or maybe Infinex will, you know, manage it themselves, and the Treasury Council will sort of oversee um, what they're doing and work around that. But basically, the goal is that by the end, we want to have this kind of canonical data layer that we all can point to, and we can point integrators to. We can point uh, people who want to build dashboards. Um, traders uh, anyone who wants anything to do with data goes to one place and then that one source is maintained on its own so that we're not um you know flying all over the place and maintaining a bunch of different data sources and um yeah getting uh muddled up in that sense i think there's uh, just to take a step back a little bit further like out, outside of the practical implementation i think the fundamental view from the treasury council uh in in sort of designing this and obviously i'm no longer on the treasury council but you know hopefully uh the new treasury council will take it up um is that analytics has always kind of been an afterthought uh for whoever has been doing it right so there's not been a dedicated person on the cc or, or people on the cc um, and the people within the community have been doing it uh, sort of, you know, as a public good, maybe with a grant, but they often have, you know, some other thing that is their full-time role. And so, you know, people will come along and they'll build something really cool. Um, you know, probably the most recent example is like Westy um, from Blockworks building, you know, this really cool um, uh, dashboard. And, you know, even I think as recently as this week, some of it's broken. And it's just like, Okay, cool. You know, someone someone comes and builds something, but then it needs to be maintained. And you know, the maintenance side is the uh, less glamorous side, right? Than the hey, look what I built side. You know, um, and we just need some people who that is their primary role, because it's never going to be the it's never going to be the the primary uh, sort of uh, focus of the CCs. They've got more important things to do, even though it is an important thing. It's it's um you know never going to be as important as like developing the protocol um and so short of like hiring two or three ccs and saying you know okay this is the team that's going to own this which i don't even trust by the way right um because we've kind of dabbled in this before and they just get sucked into the black hole of oh actually we need some front-end work or actually we need a bit of help with this or actually we need you know whatever right um it's almost impossible to keep them 
separate from the rest of the CCs and get them dragged into the, the black hole of, uh, you know, um, tech debt and, and other things that need to be done. And so keeping them separate as a working group that is independent of the CCs um, was the thought process. And this may or may not work, right? But it was the thought process of like, try something different um, and see what happens if this is an independent group of people that is mandated by the Treasury Council to go out and do a thing that's critical for the protocol, um, but hasn't been previously prioritized. So like, that's the ethos, I think, of these working groups. And it applies to the BD working group as well. Um, and then there's the question of like actual implementation. How do we do it? Uh, great. I think that's pretty straightforward. We do have a question from Gene in the chat. What does a dedicated working group entail in practice? And will the Treasury Council write deliverables? Yeah, totally. But I think. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go. Yeah, I think like there's kind of two steps to it. Like, firstly, figure out um, sort of what the best use of the money is. And I've been talking with Troy about this. And I think, you know, just coming up with a plan again to like make sure we have this single source of truth for the data layer. And that might take, a you know, some upfront investment. But then um, going forward from that, there are sort of two ideas that we have. One would be in the folks who are maintaining it, um, you know, paying them a stipend or whatever. And that would be definitely, um, you know, like spec'd out, like there are these sort of things that need like to be hit, these measurable, um, uh, you know, targets, like making sure that, you know, things are maintained across a bunch of different, like sort of uh, data analytic verticals, you could say including like things like um, CoinGecko and stuff like that, like making sure those guys have the right data, um, you know, plugged in. So across the whole internet. And then the other thing is like grants um, could potentially be funded as well to build on top of that data layer. Once we've got that all sorted and it's all maintained, then, you know, we want um, the right things to be built on top of it. So, yeah, that's the rough idea so far. Did you want to go ahead there, Kane? Yeah, just like in practical terms, I think this is certainly for synthetics a new uh, approach to uh, you know resourcing um, and and you know getting things done. So it's a bit of an experiment. Um, so I don't think we have like a, a you know exact model of how to achieve this. Um, and and you know we're going to have to sort of be flexible um, and and adapt. Um, as you know, we get more information, but I think like fundamentally, it's it's what we sort of said, right? It's ensuring that we have a dedicated group of people. This is their primary focus. They can't get dragged into other things. Um, you know, they're funded by the Treasury Council, so they have a bit of an independent mandate. And then you know, we ensure that uh, that they have clear you know KPIs and um, expectations, and the Treasury Council monitors those alongside other people in the community and. You know, we we kind of keep iterating on that and and you know see whether it's a a working model for um, you know contributing to the protocol. I, I like the idea. To be honest, uh, my only question is I, I don't see in the SIP um, how, how how is the working group selected and how are they operating out of a multi sig I assume. Yeah, it, it'll be selected by the Treasury Council because the Treasury Council is funding this. So this is a um, sort of discretionary 
uh, uh, you know, expenditure by the Treasury Council. Um, that it actually does bring up something uh, that I've been thinking about a lot after my last epoch um, on the um, on the Treasury Council. Though um, I do feel like we have a similar problem um, with the Treasury Council. You know, previously the Treasury Council was was just sort of uh, I guess mandated to not lose the funds, right? Like make sure the CCs were funded, don't lose the money, um, you know, don't don't do anything crazy with it, or you know, ideally just like minimize the amount of uh, work, right? And in the last epoch, um, you know, we sort of stepped up and said, actually, the Treasury Council, you know, has uh, this discretionary um, role that might be bigger in the protocol than um, you know what it's previously played. The challenge with that, I think, is is kind of the same thing um, with this working group that, you know, the Treasury Council people all have day jobs or, you know, other things that um, occupy their time. Um, and the expectation of the Treasury Council, I think, initially was, you know, it might be like a five to ten hour a week job. Right. Um, and it's about, you know, making good decisions rather than sort of being on the daily grind. And the more I've thought about that, I, I think that still makes sense, right? You want people who have been sort of appointed by Wales to like protect the treasury, protect the protocol, um, you know, make good decisions, don't uh, don't fuck it up, basically, right? Um, the problem is that the Treasury Council, then if they want to get stuff done, you know, a new a new member of the Treasury Council comes in, whatever, um, they've got to get up to speed there's a little bit less continuity than I think might be useful. And so I've actually been thinking about um, the potential for trying to, you know, if you think about this, like uh, from a, a, you know, meat space governance, governance perspective, right? Like there's people that are in particular roles um, in, in government and those people stay even though the elected representatives uh, shift, right? Like those are the people that actually, you know, are doing the day-to-day -day work. And I do think it could make sense to try and get a couple of, uh, you know, whether it's admin people or analysts or whatever, like a couple of people that um, the Treasury Council can rely on to actually do the day-to-day -day work. The Treasury Council makes the decisions, but these people are mandated to go out and, and sort of implement them because, you know, the progress that we made last epoch, I think, you know, from a from like a ideation perspective was quite good, but from an implementation perspective was pretty weak. Um, you know, we didn't actually get that much done. Um, we got a, a whole bunch of proposals together, but you know, over the course of four months, like I was not that impressed with our actual output. Um, and look, you know, there was a bunch of reasons for that. I think you know things were going on. You know, Treasury Council does deal with a lot of random stuff that gets dropped in its lap. But I do think that if there had been a couple of people that that new Treasury Council could have said, okay, you know, let's get to work here. Here's the things we want to work on. Go and, you know, build out a model for this. Go and, you know, work out a plan for this thing. And those people, uh, you know, had continuity in the sense that they'd worked for the previous Treasury Councils and, you know, knew how things worked, um, that we would, um, you know, we would get a pretty good outcome. So it's just something that I've been reflecting on after my, my last tenure in the Treasury Council that, um, you know, Elected representatives are great, but they're not necessarily the best executors. They're not best positioned to kind of get things done and and grind it out. So I think we should think about that um, as a as you know just a sort of fundamental point.
Yeah, I know the like three other sips to present, so I don't want to take too much time. But <clears throat> I was thinking like something that would fit that framework really well would be if you know somehow by some miracle we could transition to like an on-chain treasury, um, like if the treasury council could somehow wind down eventually their position and somehow you know manage it on-chain, and then the treasury council could like just submit SCTP, just operate out of a multi-sig discretionally and in just submit proposals and <clears throat> to the act on chain right and like you know token holders would actually just vote on that um allocating funds to that multi-sig that just operates and then the treasury council could um you know pass proposals like this um like like this one right now to get more funds whenever they need from the on-chain um governance contract or whatever so i feel like that model would be you know, you know fit that framework really well I feel like I feel like it's actually antithetical to it, but um, sure, okay. Yeah, in practice, um, it's really hard to do, especially with managing the C ratio. Um, so I would say maybe one day, but in the meantime, not really. But I don't really get the need to to look for people independently who work under a tc council can't you just someone said that uh, you can't leave it with the ccs because they get distracted blah blah but i mean that's just bad planning right you can just uh, hire or look for dedicated people and give them a very clear scope in which they operate and then you can use the the pipeline we already have with the ccs without all the extra organizational stuff we are going to add now to the TC. Well, I think, I yeah, think it's, um, it, I mean, it's, it, it's sort of a, um, I guess, you know, semantic argument, right? right? Like if we have people that are responsible for supporting the C, supporting the TC, right? Let's say we have two people, right, who are hired to support the, the, the TC. Whether they're CCs or work directly under the Treasury Council or a working group or whatever is kind of immaterial to me. I think the thing is, if you have any extra capacity that we can leverage, they're going to tell you to get fucked. They don't. So, you know, we need to find people to do that. So regardless of where they sit under, I think the, the point is to find some people that can potentially support the, the TC. Well, one thing I will add is like, I've, I've always been a supporter of non-elected uh, Treasury Council. So I, I like that idea of non-elected Treasury Council, but I'd like the idea of a Treasury Council on, cha on chain and Treasury Council operating out of a multi-sig outside of that. But yeah, I, I, I do support not like it just makes more sense. And it's a little bit more like if you I feel like as a, you rest a little easier knowing that you don't have to vote on a new treasury council like every every like three times a year. So, could yeah. we um do you think we could part this discussion for a separate one? Shall we get through kind of the content of the STPs rather than um, operations of TC? Sure. Is that yeah, that, that, uh, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, any objections? All right, uh, no we'll go ahead and move on to STP3 for a synthetics ecosystem fund authored by Kane and Spartan Glory. Whoever wants to open up the discussion, floor is yours. 
Kane, do you want to take that one and I can add on? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, like this kind of comes back to an earlier point that I made that, um, you know, historically our goal has been not blowing up the treasury. Um, we really haven't attempted to grow it at all. Um, you know, there's a lot of SNX in there. And I think the thesis has been that if synthetics is performing well, then the treasury will, you know, be valuable. And if it's not, then kind of pointless. And so trying to, um, trying to kind of hedge out you know, our exposure to SNX via investments and whatever has just not been something that I think we've had the bandwidth for or, or you know, a mandate for. Um, but I do think that that's probably been to our detriment a little bit. Um, and if we had had kind of the resources and, and mandate to do it, um, you know, it's certainly possible that we could have, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars worth of uh semi-uncorrelated assets or stables or whatever sitting in the treasury from um you know investing in uh early projects either in the ecosystem or um you know maybe outside of uh outside of the synthetics ecosystem but within the broader DeFi ecosystem um, and so the idea is basically just to um you know get a, a small amount of funds to start that process and start the diversification, um, you know, go out and buy some, uh, maybe some like DeFi blue chip tokens, you know, things like Aave, whatever, um, and, you know, have some exposure so that, um, you know, in the next uh, cycle, we're able to leverage that exposure without, you know, needing to sell the SNX token to ensure that we've got, you know, sufficient stables to, you know, lost us for another 10 years or so. Yeah, the other thing that um, perked my interest when Kane first brought this up is uh, the fact that SNX has been incredibly helpful to a lot of protocols out there and we haven't gotten our fair share of the economics. Um, and I think this is an interesting way for us to do that. Uh, I want to be a little conservative to start. Um, and we haven't really seen a lot of good deals um and also just the market is fi is figuring itself out but that's uh kind of the idea in in my end is there any plans to move any like funds off chain i see like there's mention of SAFs um and equity but like any other Ill illiquid instruments that we should not really know no i think that would be another phase i think ideally you want this to stay on chain so that you know it's actually manageable by the treasury by the treasury council um you know via the nfts as soon as you start getting into meat space stuff you know gets a bit hairier which that said you know it, theoretically that the treasury council could um you know delegate some funds or you know go into um you know some kind of on-chain fund or something like that as long as it, it's controlled by uh smart contracts i think it's not a problem as soon as it goes into meat space i i you know i'm a bit concerned about it yeah definitely agree i'd support this progressively conservatively uh as spartan glory said and as long as those allocations weren't overly um, significant parts of the free treasury that the treasury had available. Makes sense. Cool. All right. 
Uh, I guess we can move on to STP4, V3, SNX staking pool, Kane and Cav, whoever wants mm -hmm. to take this one off. Cav, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So a lot of the motivation here was to offer a simple staking yield on the SNX token. Um, there's a significant amount of SNX that's uh, held dormantly, um, a lot of it on exchanges. And the motivation was to provide a simple staking yield for that SNX without having to manage the complexities of um, debt and, uh, and hedging. Really importantly, what this does is allow uh, a smooth transition towards V3 because this staking, um, simple SNX staking would be on the V3 system. Because that SNX wouldn't be market exposed, um, the yield would need to come from somewhere else. And so the proposal is for the Treasury Council to provide some of that yield to this SNX pool. Uh, I think an important part of this is that um, what this could evolve to in the future um, is potentially a, um, a more active pool. Um, this initial proposal is about it being a totally passive pool, but it's possible down the line uh, that this could be changed to a, an active pool once the um, dynamics of the, uh, you know, the Spartan Council pool on, on Synthetics V3 could be observed. Because it may well end up if uh, if it operates by design that the you know the system uh, say the Spartan Council pool is relatively delta neutral and so evolving this simple staking pool into a, a market exposed pool could be could be an option. But either way, this this proposal is really about simple simple staking um, provide the SNX uh, into a pool and for the first I think ten weeks the the TC would would provide the SNX to provide the yield on that. Um, and the, the benefit is that this would attract, um, hopefully bring some of that passive SNX into the system, as well as bringing collateral into the, the V3 system. Yeah, I think just to just tack onto that for a second as well, um, you know, part of the thinking here aligns with, um, you know, the, the post that are, uh, released yesterday, which is that, you know, gives us the optionality to potentially, you know, support the SNX token uh, shifting from, you know, something that's quite hard to stake um, that, you know, requires hedging and all of this stuff to something that, um, you know, captures uh, fees and yield from a you know, bunch of different sources, um, which is not necessarily, you know, the outcome that we're going to get, but you know, having the optionality to do that, um, which I think this gives us, um, is quite useful in my mind. Um, you know, this gives us kind of a low, uh, low risk test of that uh, that structure, and you know, I think it'll also give us some data around you know the propensity of people who right now just have their SNX sitting on an exchange to um, you know participate uh, in the system and, and get some yield on that and. You know, sort of test what that yield needs to be in order to get a meaningful percentage of it um, involved, as opposed to just sitting there passively on, on exchanges or wherever. So I get the need to, to test out the borders with V3, but V3 is new, 
it's it's being tested it's you know is is that the right group to to attract to v3 because if they they won't stake in v2 because it's too complicated do you think they will go to v3 which is very new and what probably will happen is there there will be like a rush from, from v2 to v3 for people who are chasing the yield uh, that will be very high for the first persons who stake yeah look I, I think you know there's a lot of people uh who are already staking snx who have some free snx floating around right so you know i would imagine um some of them will decide to put that free snx in in here into this pool um it makes sense rather than being passive um so you know we will get a little i mean i don't think we're going to get a ton of cannibalization right because the yield's not going to be that high um so you know we're not trying to compete with uh like existing snx staking or snx lping i should say um we're just trying to pull across you know, so so like there might be a little bit of cannibalization, but I, I don't think the fact that V3 is new is going to be a huge deterrent to, you know, people who just have SNX sitting on exchanges, right? And this is the test as well. If it is, well, that's interesting data to have, right? Yeah, I think the staking project is going to be rather uh, simple. I, I know the community is going to welcome this um, STP. Um, my question is like to the functionality of the contract, like, is it just a simple liquidity mining contract or will it have functionality to like accept fees and distribute them as well and pro rata and all that? So this STP is the provision of the SNX from the Treasury Council to the uh, SNX staking pool that's been implemented with SIP 324. SIP 324, to answer your question, is implemented fully with the V3 system. So it's its own pool and its own rewards distributor, and the Treasury Council will be funding that rewards distributor through this proposal with the SNX. So one of the one of the parts of this of the SIP, at least, and and what the the, the STP is funding is that it is uh, utilizing the core system for um, for V three. Bada, thank you for the context, Kat. Uh, and it's worth adding, just looking at that SIP 324, the last time we looked, it's about 30% of SNX um, is is not staked. So it's almost 100 million, 90, 95 million SNX. Um, I think the one thing we hadn't nailed down here in this STP, and I don't, don't think we need to necessarily, but was to not cannibalize the active staking. So aiming for this yield to be, I don't know, half, but somewhere meaningfully less than active staking yield with the intention of not cannibalizing. So way better yield than holding it passively, but not as good as, as providing uh, liquidity, which we hope, hope people migrate to. So I don't All know right. in this new STP land if we need to clarify that um, or if we do end up going with that uh, 200,000 SNX that I think we've, we've got in the STP. Maybe we'll sort that out later. There's a question here in the community. They're asking if there will be any lockup for um, receiving this SNX. 
Uh, that will not be locked, no. As far as I'm aware, SNX is by default not locked in the current B3 system. Any SNX um, rewards are not locked. All right, thank you, Kevin Kane. Moving on to STP5, development of a sales working group. Or sorry, development and sales working group. Um, Spartan Glory, Kane, ML Pseudo is authors. Uh, anyone, anyone volunteering to start the conversation on this STP? Yeah, I can kick it off. Um, so basically, the idea is that there have been a lot of traders, very interested whales that want to come in and play around with the platform, but they don't know how to go about the very bespoke and ever-changing issues that is the Synthetics Protocol. And with that, we want to like craft and create a white glove service for them to be able to, you know, bring and onboard them so that they can obviously trade in size and volume. And also when particularly when it comes to the herbing out of the funding rate, um, it, it's something that we see a lot of value in. And there have been a number of different um, constituents, DAOs in the community that have been helping out with this cause. Uh, the TC has gotten inbound, the CCs have gotten inbound. Um, and we're trying to unify sort of that that working group in order to basically facilitate all of this in a more streamlined fashion and then also get a very motivated individual to eventually take this on as, you know, the trading volumes get bigger and bigger. And uh, hopefully we need more and more arbors and, you know, better stacks and tools come around that we can, you know, give to these guys and, and play around with. And so that's very high level. Um, it kind of talks through, uh, you know, the budget. We want to do a trial for this. Uh, we don't want to like kind of overextend. Um, and, but we do want to have people uh, sufficiently motivated in order to, you know, complete the job. And also people who are uh, familiar with how to go and do this sort of BD and talk this sort of type financial language. Um, and so it's written in there, but uh, the initial budget of 500k we're planning on making those distributions in uh two periods one at the beginning and then check in at three months in order to see how things are progressing and if it makes sense um but at the moment um we have community members uh specifically from the sc and the ccs that are willing to step up and sort of incubate this um, internally as we expand this out and maybe hire some people uh, from traditional finance or otherwise. Um, and that's maybe a good point to uh, transition it off to. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the CCs have been doing a great job of trying to um, bring in as many traders as we can. Um, to Kane's earlier point when we were talking about STP2 on dedicated resources, the goal here is to have resources that are truly dedicated to bringing on board these traders. And increasingly, as we think about scaling up V3, we want to go for the larger and larger traders, and they have very little patience um, for, I guess, platforms that, that don't haven't already solved many of their problems. So one key early goal of this process will be to pick apart, um, do a lot of interviews and pick apart what what's working and also what we need to make it work better. 
Um, so this will be at, at the start a process of investigation um, and listing out what are the things we need to do and or build in order to more efficiently uh, attract these traders, not just from the point of kind of lead generation, but all the way to having them trade actively uh, with us. So yeah, the point here is to kind of leverage everything that the CCs have done, new resources we can pull in and have a, a place where traders can come to, they know they'll have their answers, uh, their questions answered in, in this just one place that's built for them. I don't know if Kane, you wanted to supplement. Or, or anybody else, um, and, and also anybody else in the audience, Rafa or whoever would like to chime in. Yeah, I, I do have a one question here. I think the the concept of a of a white glove service is is a very good concept. Um, I've definitely noticed that. Yeah, a little bit of a a personal touch and personalized support, especially for larger traders, has uh, goes a long way when you're trying to onboard people. Um, but I'm a little curious, like what this uh, a little more of the details of what this looks like in practice in terms of uh, what kind of tools are are being offered, or if there are any uh, tools that are that are being built in order to help people uh, interact with the contracts and, and accomplish these funding rate ARBs or, uh, or whatever the individual trader wants to do. I know like Quanta has, uh, has our SDK, which we've seen a lot of people come in and use this for funding rate ARBs. Um, so just kind of curious where, where people are being directed and, and how this is going to work. So currently this is only really, um, I guess sort of happened a few times um, and the CCs have been super helpful, uh, just basically throwing chats up and answering any questions as it comes in ad hoc. Um, they would be better served to tell you which uh, tools and, and what's, whatever uh, stacks they're sending their way is beneficial. Um, but it is kind of like, it seems to be they, they ask, the traders ask questions and we answer and we help them figure out if that makes sense. So I think what we're thinking about is something more proactive. Like um, um, when I used to run BD, I, I would essentially have like an answer sheet of all the questions they could potentially ask. Um, and if, if they're struggling also to think about the questions they need to ask, then this serves as a very good reference as well. So trying to become more, trying to be more proactive rather than reactive um, I think would would help us compete more effectively with some of the other um, platforms. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, well, yeah, I just wanted to like uh, answer a bit of like what Bert asked, and then also, uh, uh, well, yeah, give a bit of context on, as you mentioned, ML, like what we've been doing. And basically, yeah, yeah uh, we've been uh, uh, speaking to multiple firms, most of them like you know via intros and whatnot, and we're directing them, uh, we're kind of like collecting, you know, the requirements for like APIs and whatnot, and directing them to the Quenta SDK. And I don't know if you've noticed like some additional volume lately, but there's like 
recently a term that integrated and effectively Arbing. But yeah, usually, you know, Troy, Caleb, and myself are a combination of each. Uh, like, just go on calls and we collect the requests. And then, as Spartan Glory said, like, um, yeah, we get them familiar, like, with the contracts and, like, you know, with the premium discount function and whatnot. And, and then, yeah. But, like, yeah, as uh, uh, usually one of, like, the restrictions now uh, is, uh, yeah, basically, you know, the, a lot of these, like, firms are just used to kind of, like, very standardized, like, APIs, like the ones you find in centralized exchanges. Uh, so we're working on, you know, specking out something so we can give them, like, an SDK or something, you know, uh, that suits their needs. I hope that answers a bit your question. Hey, yeah, can you guys hear me? Uh, I can hear you, yeah. Yep. OK, cool. Yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened. I wasn't getting through before. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, the, the thing that I will add, and again, that we keep coming back to this, right, is that everyone in the CCs has a role, right, uh, to play right now. And they have things that they are you know, responsible for, whatever. And to the best of my knowledge, we've never hired anyone as a CC. We never added a CC uh, to do BD, right? Um, certainly not multiple people. And so, you know, these BD interactions tend to be kind of ad hoc and it's, you know, amongst other priorities. I mean, you know, Caleb, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, these people have a lot of other um, really important things to do. Um, and so I think the idea of having a dedicated team is that you want someone who can build a relationship with these uh, these entities, whether they're large traders or market makers or hedge funds or you know whatever, right? Um, and you want those people to uh, have a, a fairly you know specific set of skills um, in business development that allows them to you know manage that relationship, coordinate the people on the CC side to provide the answers as needed. Um, and, you know, potentially even have like an, a dedicated integrations engineer that that's their only role, right, um, within the, the BD working group so that they're not working on other things. Um, because I think we're getting to, in my mind, a stage of the project where, you know, the early stage startup scramble of everyone does everything and, you know, we're, we just kind of react to things as as they go, um, you know, has has kind of done well for us up to now. Um, but I do think that we've gotten to a level of maturity where we really need some specialization. And, you know, I'm a, I would put my hand up and say, I'm a fairly good salesperson, but I'm not a good BD person. Like it's a separate uh, skill set in my mind, right? Um, and I think that, you know, there are very good BD people out there and that is their sole purpose in life to be very good at business development and relationship management and all of that stuff. Um, and they're just going to do a far better job than someone who's doing it as, you know, 10 or 15% of their, uh, you know, other roles within the, the, uh, the ecosystem. And so I just think like specialization is important. There are people who have this skill set. We need to find them. We need to empower them to go out and, and, you know, not just react to inbound requests, but actually proactively, you know, go to uh, market makers and hedge funds and other large traders and, and, you know, pitch them on why this is good, find out what their needs are and, and manage the entire relationship from start to finish. Um, and it's like, 
really should not be that controversial in my mind, right? Like we don't have this internal function right now. We've got the ability to kind of do it ad hoc, but we don't have a dedicated function to it. And so the idea behind this is to build that function and make sure that that function is genuinely dedicated and is not just like an ad hoc thing that we're doing on the side. Um, and it's the same thing for the other the other things. And, and these, in my mind, you know, over the last five years, we've noticed that there's certain deficits, uh, you know, in the project that haven't necessarily been uh, sort of addressed with a dedicated role or dedicated people to do them. Um, you know, we had this problem in product before, right? And then we were like, okay, let's go and get some product people. And that, I think that's worked out really well. So it shouldn't be that controversial to say, let's go out and get some dedicated people who know how to do this. And this is their, you know, uh, purpose in life, um, and, and give them a chance to see, can they improve our, uh, sort of hit rate in terms of integrations and, and onboarding large traders. I, I get the integration part, but the, the onboarding large traders that, that seems more a job for, for integrators like Quenta or, or Polynomial. Because what, Look, what exactly yeah, is, is for sure, like you tell them how to use Quenta. So I think that there's two things, right? Um, in my experience, people come to synthetics, right? Um, large traders, hedge funds, whatever. They come to synthetics and they want to speak to someone in synthetics because they want to get a level of confidence uh, in synthetics and the counterparty that they're trading with, right? Um, and they won't necessarily go to an integrator. Um, and, you know, like the, this is not like a novel situation in the world, right? There's plenty of uh, examples of this, you know, Salesforce, right? You have integration partners who actually manage the integration and then you have Salesforce, the company that manages those integrators and has relationships with them, um, you know, will farm out business to various integrators um, based on, you know, who is the best position to kind of take on that role. But obviously Salesforce gets a lot of inbound interest from people who are looking to, you know, do like a business transformation thing or whatever they're doing, right? And then they find the best integrator based on, you know, the industry vertical or geographic location or whatever it is. And they, you know, kind of connect those people and, and they set it up, right? And so I think that this is something that, uh, that you know, again, like shouldn't be that, um surprising that you know synthetics proper is going to get inbound interest and it is important for synthetics the protocol to have a group of people that knows how to manage that inbound interest and is dedicated to managing it and then yeah absolutely handing it off to an integrator if that makes sense or um you know potentially if we have a, a dedicated api for synthetics that you know, some people are happy to trade on chain. Some people want APIs. Some people have different needs. They can do both. Um, you know, I think it's just important that we have, uh, I guess, a, a dedicated team within Synthetics proper that can manage those relationships and work out what the best thing is for this trader, what the best approach is for them, can advise them in sort of an unbiased way. At the same time, absolutely, all of the integrators should have their own teams that are going out and trying to get business. Like, there's no downside to having both of these things working in tandem. Right. So I, I appreciate the purpose of the work group. I like it just like the other um, work groups. I think they're a good idea. Um, I have two questions about it. One would be how would we like make sure that there's no impartiality or, or, or like there's no bias or anything in the process of like directing people to integrators so that we don't get backlash from our in minority integrators. 
that's one question. And then the other part is, I know it's probably, it's again, it's discretionary for the Treasury Council, but from the outside looking in, like what sort of KPIs will be measuring this um, work group? So I think on, on the first question, I feel like it's a leading question. Um, we remove the humans who are biased and replace them with AI. Is that the answer you're looking for? <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> um, it's it's look, a leading like, question, but I think it's it's just impossible. It's the implication. Yeah, I, it's like I don't know. Like, let's get rid of uh, human biases. Like, I think again, my expectation is that this will uh, eventually, as this evolves, right? As you know, ideally, as we become a genuine uh, venue um, for people to trade on. Um, for large traders to trade on, that this ecosystem will evolve, right? And that, you know, Quenta will have its dedicated team. They'll have relationships with the working group. Um, you know, they'll make their case for why they can handle a new integration better, um, you know, than uh, Polynomial or whoever. Um, and, you know, these people will, will, they'll have to, you know, ultimately the customer, right, the trader will decide who they go with and, and what the best thing is for them. Um, but, you know, there'll be a number of different you know, parties that are that are kind of, you know, working around that, I think. Got it. I think my mic cut out. Um, it sounds like you guys got my first question. My second question was um, just like, how, what sort of KPIs from the outside looking should we be looking for to measure the work group, work group's progress? I think it's a good question and it's something that I feel we need to kind of just play around with first and then see. I mean, off the top of the head, obviously, the bottom line would be how many integrations and how much volume is coming from those people. That being said, BD is a little slower, it churns over some and, you know, figuring out exactly what those workflows look like, that's going to take a little bit of time. So at the first three months, it's probably more what kind of those workflows are getting set up and the communication with CCs and everyone else within um, the ecosystem that is important to sort of uh, introduce to these traders is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, definitely, you know, if this program is continuing and successful and goes from six months plus, we're going to want to see a lot more numerical um, and empirical uh, conversions in general with, again, just volumes. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's the question or that's the answer rather to I th that. I think one, one of the first KPIs would be defining the KPIs. <laughs> um, because it's exploratory, it's not a sales project. Um, one of the first things to figure out is how do we know we're successful? And so that will be one of the first tasks, I think. This Agreed. Will this be something that's mostly done behind closed doors or will this be a somewhat transparent process? It's, it's a good question. So, you know, I think it's important to remember that while we have been working towards greater uh, TC transparency, that one of the reasons why the TC was set up as a discretionary body um, is to allow the TC to do things that maybe a more traditional organization would do that are sensitive or, you know, um, need to be uh, kind of, you know, managed closely. And I think that, um, you know, even a list of potential integrators, right, um, that the working group is engaged with being public could be problematic, right? Um, you know, there might be uh, hedge funds or, um, or you know, market makers or whatever that don't necessarily want uh, 
their names published with a whole bunch of other traders, for example, right, of people that were onboarding. Um, and so, you know, I think that the the ability to have discretion around how this is managed, ultimately, the, the working group is going to be accountable to the Treasury Council, the Treasury Council is accountable to token holders. Um, but I don't think that everything needs to be necessarily, you know, published uh, on chain or, or whatever. Great, thank you. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of the presentations for this evening. Uh, these presentations were meant to open the floor for discussion, so anybody that needs to add anything else, uh, we will make the recording available, and please go ahead and uh, bring up your concerns in one of the Discord channels. Thank you, everybody, for being here and for presenting this evening. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, everyone.